I'm going to start a, a series. I'm going to start, and when I come back by God's grace, I'll continue. I title it The Law of Increase. Hallelujah. The Law of Increase. The Law of Increase. Say that the law of increase. Hallelujah. The law of increase. You know, in the life of believers, we need to increase. Now, we need to decrease when it comes to pride. Hallelujah. When it comes to the Lord Jesus, we need to decrease so that he can increase. But when it comes to our walk with the Spirit, we need an increase. Hallelujah. Nature teaches us that everything needs to grow. Anything that does not grow has a problem. If your child is born and after a year is still the size of a birth, there is a problem. Even if it's not manifesting any sickness, you will still worry. When he's four years, he has legs, but he's not walking. There is a problem. So anything that does not increase, has a problem. Your body grows. There must be increase in your relationships. So if a relationship is at the same level that it was a year ago, there is a problem. Say, I need an increase. You know, people need to increase. And, and God gave us grace. The Bible says we grow from grace to grace. So there is a growth. The Bible talks about spiritual growth. So there needs to be a growth. Not a swelling, a growth. Because there's a difference between swelling and growth. Swelling is unhealthy. Growth is consistent. It means if you woke up in the morning and you are double the size you used to be last night, big problem. Your first way you're going to rush to emergency because you say, when I was sleeping, my tummy was flat. When I woke up, it was like something is wrong. It's a swelling. And God is not in swelling. He's in growth. Hallelujah. That's why Bible says, those who want to be rich quickly. Because there is a swelling in wealth that is not healthy. Because God does not multiply you overnight. He follows a process. And when that process is met, growth is consistent. Hallelujah. 
I say hallelujah. We talk about Jesus preaching to 5,000. Remember the 5,000 was not in the beginning of his ministry. First of all, he preached. He went to the house of Peter. He healed somebody. News went and people crowds start to gather. Hallelujah. So the law of increase. I'm going to give. Today we're not going to go through a lot of things because uh, the time is already there. But the first law of increase is this. Acknowledge what you have. Yes. Somebody say acknowledge what you have. Now, many people have preached to you uh, that the law of increase is hidden, is hidden in the principle of sowing and reaping. Which is true. But how can you sow what you don't have? Anything you sow, you need to have it first. But for you to sow it, you need to acknowledge that you have it. Jesus applied that law in the beginning of his ministry. That was the first law Jesus ever applied. Now, the problem with Christians is that they don't acknowledge what they have, yet they are trusting for increase. Luke chapter number 4, verse 18. Luke 4, 18. Somebody say, acknowledge. Yes, Luke 4, 18. Let's read quickly. Luke 4, 18 to 19. Thank you, Jesus. Are you here with me? And God is going to bless you today. I believe that after we are through this series, something is going to happen in your life. Really, those who are at the PowerPoint, please be a bit quick for me today. I won't be able to wait all the time. It looked for 18 to 19. Yes. Let's read one to three. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, stop there. Don't take it away. Now, this is one of the mistakes we make. We say the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. That is not the right translation. You understand? That's not what the Hebrew people say. They said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's the reason why he has anointed me. I don't know if you know what I'm saying. They say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and that's the reason why he has anointed me. So, Jesus is saying, because the anointing is not the power, the word anointing means to be chosen. So when you say, I am anointed, it means you are chosen, you are set apart. So he's saying, oh, don't take it so quickly. I said, listen to me today. Put it back. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, and that's the reason why he has anointed me. So the first thing you receive is the spirit. And when you receive the spirit, God chooses you. So, so the first thing you need to acknowledge in your life is to acknowledge you have the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You have the Holy Ghost. You have him. 
Now he said, because I have him, he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are in prison or oppressed. Verse 90, let's go on. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, Jesus is saying, I acknowledge that I have the Holy Ghost. It didn't come with doubt, maybe. You know, people think it's humility. I don't know. It feels like it's not humility. It's, it, I don't want to say that. It's complete ignorance. You need to acknowledge that you are anointed. You cannot heal the sick if you don't know you are anointed. You cannot preach with God if you don't know you are anointed. So the confession of a Christian is, I am anointed, and you are not lying. Because the Bible says in the book of Romans 8 that those who don't have the spirit of God don't, have, don't belong to Christ. So if you sit here and you say you don't have the Holy Ghost, then you don't belong to Christ. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about the empowerment, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the book of Acts 1.8. Let me break something down for you. We are still in acknowledgement. Act 1.8. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter number 1, verse 8. One eight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay. But you shall receive when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So, the Holy Ghost is not the power. The power comes because the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Ah. You receive power because the Holy Ghost has come upon you and he has prepared you to receive power. So the Holy Ghost and power are not the same. Power is virtue. The Holy Ghost is a person. The Holy Ghost is not virtue. The Holy Ghost is a, power, is a, is a, is a person. Jesus, when he healed the woman with the issue of blood, he said, I perceive Power has gone out of me. He didn't say, I perceive the Holy Ghost has gone out of me. He said, I perceive power has gone out of me. So there's a difference between the Holy Ghost and power. Now, why do you receive power? Because you have the Holy Ghost. So everything God wants to give you, you need first to acknowledge you have the Holy Ghost and then you receive it. Say, I have the Spirit of God. If you don't have the Spirit of God, you are not saved. Hallelujah. You have the Holy Ghost. So Jesus came proclaiming to the people, the Spirit of God is on me. First time ever, a man declared with such boldness the prophecy that was contained in the book of Isaiah 61. He comes and he preaches and he says, the Spirit of God is on me. This, this, this is amazing. This is amazing. That's why when we say, I am blessed, we are positioning ourselves for something. Many people, that they downfall. That they downfall. 
they don't know what they have. And because they don't know what they have, they cannot give it. Jesus says, I'm anointed. And then he gave his purpose. He said, this anointing upon me, this is what he's going to do. I'm going to preach. I'm going to heal. I'm going to set free. Therefore, he was confident in what he has. People that are insecure are never confident in what they have. They think it's humility. Say, I am anointed. Oh boy, you are speaking revelation. I am anointed. Now, I know that when we speak like that, people say, but he's an arrogant person. The world wants you to say, it's not, it's not me. It's Jesus. It's not me. I'm a donkey. Okay. Be a donkey. It's not me. <laughs> it's not me, but it's upon me. Ah. It is not me, but it's upon me. You make the dress. The dress does not make you. I know. No. We can choose the same dress. Same design. Same. We put it on two people. One will come out and say, I don't want to buy this one. The same dress. Somebody comes out and says, I'm buying it. The dress does not make you. The beauty of a dress is in the one that wears it. So we all have Jesus, but Jesus does not make you. It's how you wear Jesus that makes Jesus. Uh, can I talk to somebody this morning? That the reason why the Jesus that you are carrying is powerless is not that it's not the same Jesus, but there is a confidence in the one that wears it. that. Sometimes they, they are doing a dress, uh, like a program of dress. Then they put it on the lady, you feel, whoa, this is not good. <laughs> they take that same dress, they put it on another one and say, wow, what a dress. It's not the dress. I say, it's not the dress. That's why they talk about People that wear dresses like Naomi Campbell. They're talking about Naomi Campbell, not the dress. Because she makes the dress. Come on. So believers need to know that there is something, a key in the Lord that is confidence. We are confidence of this. That he who has begun a good work in us shall bring it to God. There is a confidence that comes when you know Jesus. Yes. There's a confidence. There's a confidence. I can stand before anyone without being intimidated, but with respect. Respect does not mean I'm intimidated. Because I know who I am. Yes. Yes. When 
when you know who you are, you are not intimidated. Jesus was telling before the Pharisees, the lawgivers, those who held the law, and he was not intimidated. Actually, he told them, I am anointed. And they were angry at him. There's a difference between confidence and arrogance. Amen? Amen. Somebody say arrogance. Arrogance is to display what you have to intimidate others. Hallelujah. Is to display what you have in order to intimidate others. Arrogance also is to exaggerate one's own worth or importance by an overbearing manner. So arrogance is when you display it for other people. Confidence is when you display it for yourself. So, so even in my room, I still say I am anointed. So I don't need the crowd. I need myself. Arrogance is a public display of what you think you have while you are not confident of it. So the first law of increase is that, recognizing. Say, I have it. In the name of Jesus. I have it. In the name of Jesus. Let me give you an example, a, 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 a secret. Mothers, if you think you are a bad mother, you will always be a bad mother. You won't be able to change that. No, you won't be. If you think you are a bad husband, you will always be a bad husband. If you think you are a bad wife, you will always be a bad one. Find what you have and display it and increase will come. They pray for a sick is not healed. That's what they focus on. But they forgot that they pray for another one that healed, that got healed. So all their lives, they are torn into two. One didn't get healed, one got healed. One didn't get healed, one got healed. No, no. You know what you do? You turn your back on the one that didn't get healed. And then you look at the one that got healed. And that's where you build your faith and your confidence. Because the one that didn't get healed, you don't know why he didn't get healed. But at least this one you know is healed. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Oh, I'm such a bad person. Who told you? <laughs> so, so you see, it works both ways. Eh? Whatever you acknowledge increases. Yes, yes. Anything you acknowledge increases. Yes. 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 The only place where you can acknowledge your weaknesses is in the presence of God. Because when you acknowledge your weaknesses in his presence, he grows more in you. But you acknowledge your weaknesses in front of people that can't help you. And then they gossip about what you say. Hallelujah. Amen. Say acknowledging. Ay, 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 ay. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me give you another example in this. In this. The story of a multiplication of bread. I won't read it because of time. Jesus comes to a place where there were 5,000 people. Or they followed him. One instant, 5,000. The other instance, 4,000. Then he realized that these people are hungry. They are tired. They are hungry. They are broke. Then he said to them, to the disciples, feed them. The disciples say, hi, Baba. How can we feed? <laughs> How can we ask her to feed 5,000 people? Jesus turned and said, what do you have? Ay, 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 ay. He said, what do you have? He said, master, we saw a boy that have a lunchbox. But then the mother is very good. Five fish. And, 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 and two loves for a boy. The mother is very careful to prepare a good lunchbox. Not chocolate. Fish. Because she's a healthy mother. Hallelujah. Now Jesus says, bring it to me. Now, why didn't Jesus multiply it when he was with them? Yeah. And he said, bring it to me. Because he himself, he needs to have something. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that thing needs to touch his hand and become his. Yes. Before he can multiply it. He didn't multiply in a distance. He said, bring it to me. As soon as I release it into his hand, it became his. Yes. And then he acknowledged, he said, Father, thank you, I have something. And when he thanked the father because he had something in his hand, the principle of multiplication came. People that never had anything will never have anything. So what do you have? What do you have? They said, the boy has something. He said, bring it to me. That blew my mind. Jesus could have said, okay, father, bless it in the hands of the boy. He said, no. When it's in the hands of a boy, he's the one with the ability to multiply. But he does not know. So bring it to me. As soon as I get it, I release the knowledge because the spirit is upon me. That spirit that is upon him is the same spirit that allowed him to lift it up and multiply. Say the spirit is upon me. I don't know what you have this morning, but maybe you've been despising it and that's why you are the way you are. Come on now. Say, what do you have? Say to your neighbor, what do you have? 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 Woo! What do you have? I want to give you, even the principle we're working under the old covenant. In the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 4, verse 1 to 7, I want us to read that one. 2 Kings, chapter, chapter number 4, verse 1 to 7. 2 Kings 4, one to seven. Are you there with me? Yes. And then I'm going to finish with the last example, and then uh, we'll be finishing for today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It say a certain woman. Say a certain woman. <laughs> of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elisha, saying, "Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that." 
Your servant feared the Lord. And creditors is coming to take my two sons to be his slave. So Elijah said to the woman, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing. Say, I have nothing. But I do have something. How confusing is that? Your maidservant has nothing. But a jar of my God, my God, my God. My. She despised the oil. This woman has oil in her house. But she did not know that that was the answer for the crisis. Then Elisha said to her, Yo, Elisha said to her, Go, hmm. borrow vessels from everywhere. From all your neighbors, empty vessels do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you. Oh, I wish I have time to go through this scripture and explain all this. And your sons, then pour it into all those vessels. Set aside the full ones. Let's go. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessel to her and she poured it. Six. Now it came to pass, when the vessel were full, that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And they say, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Last. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons shall live on the rest. Hey, this is a woman that was in debt. I hope I'm talking to somebody. That woman was in debt. And then she didn't know what to do. She goes to the prophet. And she said, men of God, my husband is dead. Okay, I, the Bible does not make it clear who took the debt, who borrowed the money. Was it after the death or when he was still alive? That one we don't know. He said, my husband... I used to say the man was in debt, but maybe the death of a man pushed the woman because there was no source of income anymore. So when I was a young preacher, I said the prophet died, but he was broke. It's not necessarily that because I said my husband is dead and those we owe. So we don't know if he was owing when he was alive or it was the widowhood situation that made the woman to borrow. Because there are some situations in your life that will corner you to do things that you never thought you would do. There are some situations that will bring tears to your eyes while you have never planned to cry. Because there is something that compresses you from the inside. That's something that slowly kills you from the inside that brings tears to your eyes. And people seeing you are judging you because they feel you are emotional. They don't know it's the pain that you are going through that causes you to cry. Uh, because you, they don't know what you've been through and what you are going through and what you are in. So therefore they judge you. The prophet says, woman, instead of saying, the Bible says shall not borrow. There are people like that. Eh? We have an opinion with scriptures. The Bible says you are not borrowers. You are. Elisha, listen, listen. We don't go to sin pointers. We go to sin removers. You don't check what I just said. 
John the Baptist was saying to the people, book of vipers, who taught you to flee the judgment? So maybe I must take my time and love you more. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 David, is the stream on now or not yet? It's on. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So, Jesus, John was saying, who taught you to flee the judgment of God? People were shaking like this. And then he made a mistake one day. He said, Jesus will come and this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. The disciple of John left him. They said we were, John was always telling us how bad we were. Now he has shown us somebody that can help us. So, 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 so if somebody points your sin and cannot help you, leave him. So if somebody tell you, you shouldn't borrow and cannot help you, he must shut his mouth because he can't help you. If you are real, the Bible says in the book of Jen, if you see your brother struggling, help him. So when the guy says, now I'm in debt, he says, the Bible says you shouldn't borrow. He says, how much? He says, 10,000. He says, you know what? I don't have a 10,000, but I have 500. You give that, and then you say, but in the future, be careful. Amen. You can't help, but you can rebuke. Yeah. Who is this rebuker that can't help? <laughs> the church likes to rebuke, but can't help. Uh-huh. Bazalwanis, they like to rebuke. <laughs> <laughs> Brothers in the church, they like to rebuke. Sisters like to rebuke, but they can't help. I love Jesus because when he rebukes me, he helps me. We are looking for people that can rebuke and help. Hallelujah. So he said, Eliza said, woman, you are in debt. She said, yes. She said, what do you have? She made the terrible mistake to say, I have nothing. 
Then she came back to her senses. Say, but I have oil. I have oil. Can I submit to you that oil deals with the anointing? I am broke, but I have the anointing. Now I need somebody to tell me how to work that anointing to swallow up my debts. How to use wisdom to get out. (laughs) Because if I knew how to use wisdom, I would get out of debt myself. But we need people that are equipped in the church. That can teach people how to handle their money, how to handle whatever they have in order to get an outcome of it. See, I have oil. Elisha said, Women, go, borrow vessels. Somebody say, Borrow vessel. I thought we were never to borrow. Say, Borrow vessels. Somebody say, Vessels. Somebody say vessels. Ha. Ah, ah. Do you understand that as Christians we are called vessels? We are vessels in the hands of a master. So when you don't know how to work your anointing, find a vessel. Find a vessel that can help you. How? And he said, go and borrow. Empty ones. Not full one. Empty ones. Come on. Say empty ones. It means every teaching you receive from somebody is empty. You have to fill it up yourself. (laughs) And, And people don't know that. They have a vessel. They don't know it's empty. Although the container is there, but it's still empty. And he taught her how to fill it up. He said, you go in your private room. (laughs) He showed her the way. He said, go into your house. Shut the door. Hmm. It means when you hear a message like this, go back to your house. Shut the door. And start to meditate on this message. You are busy filling Say, don't borrow a few, borrow many. Hallelujah. Me, I'm a compendium of many anointing. Some of you say, I will never listen. Me, I listen. You know why I listen? Because I know that in all these voices, there is something in there. You will be shocked how Jesus sat with the Pharisees many times. Although he didn't agree with their teachings, but he wants to hear where they're coming from. The room and the most despised men of God can just say something and can trigger something in you. So I don't listen to take everything. I listen to get what is for me in it. Some of you miss on divine appointment because you don't know how to discern vessels. 
So the woman borrowed. The prophet told her, don't borrow few. She borrowed what she could. But it was the oil. Somebody say it was the oil. And where was that oil? In the house. All this while, the oil was sitting dormant, screaming for somebody to use it, and the woman was despising what she had. All this while, somebody's waiting for you. You are saying, I'm not the prophet. I'm not the evangelist. This man, God forbid, is not well. Then, I'm, uh, 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 what, Bazarone? Uh, okay. So you come to me, you say, tell me I'm not well. Say, I'm not, I'm well. not well. Oh, you're not well. I don't have a prophet number, but come. You take the sick person hand in hand, Walking together while the anointing is inside of you. Looking for the prophet. Looking for Israel. If Israel does not come to the hospital, who told you so? If Kobus does not come, who Kobus come? Who is Kobus? He's a man that submitted to the Lordship of Christ. And to a discipline of a spirit. That way he is where he is today. So you carry this Basarwani everywhere. He's already sick. You carry him. <laughs> and come, you want that Kobus. Come. I'm, so, Kobus, there is one, I preach the gospel to him, but he needs healing. <laughs> Which gospel did you preach to him? If your gospel does not include healing, stop preaching it. Kobus, then Kobus says, sit, I'm going to grow your leg. No, no, you are Kobus. Pray, pray for his two legs like Kobus does. Then the crowd. But what Kobus is doing is inside of you. I, I don't hear what, I don't hear. Hey, hey, what, 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 whatever. Whatever I'm doing, the spirit is also upon him here. So the same spirit that is upon him is upon me. He can allow the spirit of God to work through him. And then he comes to me with a testimony. God bless you. Now, now, I'm not saying we don't acknowledge grace upon each other. But there is a common thing that believers can do. And that one you don't need to go to some point. Now, if you did it and it's not working, then you can say, okay, I have done what I could. It's not working. Let me look for, that was the body. But you've done nothing. How will you know it will work if you have never done it? Say acknowledge. If you acknowledge what you have, God will always multiply it. I say if you acknowledge what you have, God will always multiply it. Say, I am, I am blessed. Say, I'm highly favored. I'm highly In the name of Jesus, I am blessed. I am, blessed. I am highly favored. Highly favored. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I want to do a second law so that when I come, we can carry on. 
The second law is called the law of, let me see it. The second law is called the law of first fruits. Hallelujah. <laughs> and the law of first fruit falls under the law of acknowledgement. So it's not just a full law, it, it's engrafted in acknowledgement. No, the law of first fruit. Look at, let's read a scripture in uh, the book of uh, Exodus 36, uh, 34, sorry. Exodus 34, verse 26. Exodus 34, verse 26. Let's read it. Exodus 34, 26. Exodus 34, 26. The first of the first fruit of your land, you shall bring it to the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's mark. Something like that. Okay, we are stuck there. So, mark. Okay. Now, the law of first fruit. What is a first fruit? God said to the people of Israel, when you have a flock or when you give birth, the first that opened the womb is mine. Hallelujah. Now, how does the first law of first fruit come into acknowledgement? The law of first fruit is the statement that God is the one that gave it to you. The law of first fruit is the acknowledgement of a giver. Remember, the Bible says he's the one that gives us power to create wealth. So when it, the, 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 the principle that God gave them in the Old Testament was a principle of acknowledgement. It was never about the gift. <laughs> it was never about the gift. It was about acknowledging who gave them the ability. Hallelujah. So that's why God says, give me first. Like a choir. You don't understand people. You don't understand. The first fruit of your life is given to God. Amen? If you don't have time for God, how do you acknowledge that he's the one that gives you breath? When I sit in his presence, it's an acknowledgement that you are the one that gave me breath. It's not too much about the seeking. It's about the acknowledgement. The law of first fruit. He said... Let me give you Proverbs chapter number 3, verse 9. Let's read Proverbs 3, 9. I want us to read that quickly. Proverbs chapter number 3, verse 9. Proverbs 3, 9. 
Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your position and with the first fruit of all your... Let's go on. So your bonds will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Do you think God really needs your first fruit? No, he does not. The reason why he wants you to give your first fruit to him so that he may provide a reason for himself to make you overflow. Because everything God does, he needs a reason. He does not do it without a reason. God is a lawmaker and a lawgiver. So he has set up laws and principles. And before he acts on the principle, he wants something to be done. Listen, listen. If you don't think you have anything, you will never give to God nothing. Because you think you don't have. But if you think that what you have is God that gave you, then you can give even when you think you don't have. Oh, it's quiet here. I'm setting some of you free here. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. I'm setting some of you free here. Because we talk about the woman that gave the offering. You see, that woman, she could have kept it because she had not. But she said, Jesus said, this woman has touched a law. Hallelujah. So, so for you to be able to increase, you need to acknowledge what you have. And when you acknowledge what you have, you need to give what you have. Because praying for a sick is giving. Oh. Peter comes in the book of Acts chapter number 3. He said, silver and gold I do not have, but such as I have, such as I have, such as I have, I give thee. So the anointing is something you have. So the anointing can be given as an offering to somebody. So when you are, the more you are ministering, the more it flows. Come on. The more you are ministering, the more you overflow in the anointing. If I want the anointing, listen, I've realized, I said to the Lord, Father, he said, he told me you are not a prophet because you prophesy. I said, yes, I know that. I said, but how do I do to increase? He said, position yourself to prophesy. He said, because the more you prophesy, the, the, the more you will prophesy. But the more you are afraid that you will make mistakes, the less the anointing will flow through you. So you need to come to a place where you understand uh, that you are an open channel and uh, that I put my anointing for you so that you can flow it through other people. So the more I minister, the more filled I am. People come to me after ministry. Are you tired? I say, I feel like I'm so full now. Why? Because the more I give, the more it's given. The... Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. The more I exercise the gift, the more the gift flows. The more I step into the unknown to say, God, I release myself into your hands. I'm in the lane of no, of, of I don't know, but I trust you. I trust you. 
you told me to come out of my boat. I'm stepping out of my boat. And I'm walking on water, not knowing if the water will hold me. But at your word, I am going. When you position yourself like that, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. As too, as this is for the anointing, is the same thing for finance. My God, my God, my God, I need to tell you. Because you don't, you, some of you don't know that. You are praying for God to bless you financially. But what are you prepared to let go out of your hands? What are you prepared? Because, listen, no one can give you when you have your hands full. Come on. Come on. Come, Lerato. Let's, let's preach. Hold this one. Okay. Hold it with one hand. Then I want to give you, not hold it with, don't take, I want to give you this. And I say, hold it with this. How do you? But if you want to take this, what do you do? And then you can. When you keep, you cannot receive. When you give, you are a candidate to receive. Come on, guys, come on. How somebody hear me this morning? How somebody hears me? I hope somebody hears me. You are looking for the anointed to heal the sick. Go and look for sick people. Say, brother, I'll pray for you. If you are healed or not, I'm just positioning myself to be filled. Hey, hey, hey. Hey. I see business people. My business is for God. I say you are a liar. Your business is never for God. You know why it's not for God? Because if it were for God, when you give the, you get the money, you ask the owner, what must I do with the money? You don't ask him. Then you say it's for him. Then you are stealing from him. Rather say, I have, I have put my business under the leadership that God may help me, but not say I've given it to God. That's why some of the business people, you are broke. Because your confession say, I'm raising up this business, it's for God. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. My children are for God. When did you give them to God? Do you think because you are born, they are born for you, they are for God? No. For God to have your children, you need to go and say, Lord, I'm giving you my children. But once you give it to him, don't say, I want him to be a doctor. I want him to be a lawyer. Then you didn't give. When you give, you say, Lord, I have given this child to you. What is your desire for the child? Then you don't push the child in one direction. You must be a doctor. You must be a do- doctor for what? Doctor. I can go to the cemetery and show you many doctors that are buried there. It's not doctor that does the deal. It's the will of God in your life that does the deal. Come on now. Come on now. When I grew up, I have that mentality of being someone of my own understanding. I always dreamed to be that big businessman with plenty of money. And that was my dream. I did not know that I was given to the Lord. By my name. Among all my brothers, my father called me Elisha. And he wrote it like the prophet Elisha, his name in French. So when I was studying, I was I'm becoming God was sitting there waiting for me. He'll smile on his face. Quiet degrees. And then I said, no. 
I forgot <laughs> that I was given. <laughs> so when God time came in my life and God spoke about ministry, I got so angry with the first man that prophesied over me. I wanted to curse him, curse his root, to die. But I didn't have that power. Another one prophesied, I got more angry. I said, Lord, I want to have money to help people. You know, you know, you are not telling the truth about it. Because <laughs> when the money comes, you think of the first car, the money. You don't think of God. Now, <laughs> yes. So the time I went, that shocked me. I finished, and I got my first job, and God told me to serve him. And uh, yo, then by that time, I've already given over. So I was afraid. I was going to my father to say, Father, I'm quitting my job because I want to serve God. When I told him, he looked at me. He said, son, do whatever the Lord tells you. I didn't know he was already in the secrets of the most high. I thought I was going to shock this old man. You have paid my studies until now. Now I say, I'm dropping it. He say, do whatever the Lord tells you. Yeah. Parents, can I advise you? I'm not saying your children are all going to be full-time or serve the Lord. But before you make a decision concerning your child, ask him. What are you saying about this child? Otherwise, you will make a human decision and you will put your child into trouble. Because God would never intend for him. Look at Israel. He was playing rugby. A big body running in the field. That's not know he must go to Cocoland. He was... <laughs> he was in France. Paris, he didn't know uh, that... Uh, <laughs> that... that that Cochran was waiting. He, he, he didn't know that, that, that Yakovsdale was waiting. He was in Paris. Ask him first. Give him first. Come on, come on, come on. I said, come on. Come on. Some of you, you are having a dream, but is it God's dream? Allow God to put his dream in you. And if a dream you have is God's dream, I pray that God may empower you. That you may fulfill the assignment of God on earth. But if that dream is not from God, I curse it to die. So that you can do God's dream for your own life. No, I, and I don't, I'm not emotional about that. Because you say, I, I curse it in the name of Jesus. So that I can die in your hands. That you may look for God. Because at the end of the day, when you stand before God, he will judge you over what he called you to do. Not over what you did, but over what he called you to do. And you know that this life is short, eh? eh? You know it's short, eh? Okay. So, you, you, you know that those who lived 100 years, today they, they have relocated to the cemetery. You know that? And when they relocated, they left everything. The house you are staying in, somebody relocated, and now the house is yours. You remember one day you were going to relocate there also. So, if you base all your life on something material, you are losing because it will come a day where you have to relocate. And when that day comes, you will not go in with anything else but your soul. And when you stand before God, he will not ask you what are the degrees that you had. 
if he called you to have degrees, then in these degrees, he wants to glorify his name. So that you may use a degree to glorify the name of the Lord wherever he is. It's not just for yourself. I have dreamed over my children, but I want God's dreams over them to be performed. You know, we like to brag with our children, eh? <laughs> Graduation. <laughs> Are you the first? Many graduated before you. And I thank God for your achievement. But I want you, when you graduate, to say, God, this is my degree. Tell me what I must do. Lead me. You may not have a voice or hear a voice, but the conviction will be inside. Some of you are called to be even a doctor. You want to be an evangelist. Where? Where? Peronomy is waiting for you. You want to go to Kokola. <laughs> you are an evangelist. Then at judgment day, God said, Doctor, so and so. Say, you, I'm calling you. No, you call me doctor. He said, yeah. No, I'm an evangelist. He said, no, no, no. You say you are an evangelist. I call you to be a doctor. People died in hospital without you. You were running around. Are you in what God called you to do, or are you doing what you want to do? Come on. Hey. I'm finished. I'm finished. Sure. You know, this dear lady of mine, she was, she was studying to be a doctor when I met her. Yes. Clever doctor. <laughs> and then here I come. <laughs> and, uh, and God had told me I'm going to serve him full time. Here I come. Doctor, say, my lady. So when I married her, she understood something was not right. So she switched course because doctor didn't work. She went to accounting. <laughs> the brain of my wife, most people don't have it. I don't have it. Yes. The father was proud of her. Among the first three of the class all the time. I prophesied over her before I knew I would marry her. I told her she would heal many people. And the mother said, your doctorship is confirmed. But God was talking about something else. <laughs> now she's singing here, healing nation through her voice. God is blessing her. God is showering her with grace. Imagine you are sitting in an hospital. And the spirit says, I want you to sing prophetically. Cutting the intestines of people. Be sure that you first acknowledge your creator. And acknowledge him in everything you do. And he shall direct your path. I didn't come to confuse you. Say, hey, maybe I was not a lawyer. No, I didn't say that. I said, go ask God. 
Hallelujah. If you are already a lawyer, say to God, use me where I am. Hallelujah. It's fine. But, but don't force God to make you something that he does not want to make you. Some people don't like this preaching one. Especially people with dreams. Yeah, when you preach to them, they like, Continue. <laughs> we shall meet at the feet of the Lord. <laughs> and that day you say, brother, you were right. I'm praying that God may bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I say hallelujah. Amen. Give a hand to our Lord. Thank you, Jesus.